Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Wow, I've been pondering on a word for probably two months and, and I was wondering this week and I was praying and I was going through things and I said, Lord, what do you want to do this week? Because it's an in-between sermon. This morning, I want to start out, but before I give you the topic, I want to start out with a question. And the question is the following. Now, most of us was, was not born yesterday. We know how things happen, but we would all agree when you walk into a conversation, when you sit into a conversation, we would agree on the following that not everybody agrees. Am I right? You can walk into a conversation, you can speak to people, you can, you can listen to a conversation, and you will always realize that not everyone agrees on everything. I mean, just if I bring up the, the, the topic of rugby, then, then we don't agree, you know. <laughs> some people are from Durban, some people are from Cape Town, some people hope they were from, from Pretoria, but they're not. But, I mean, we don't agree on everything. Have you ever wondered about that? I've wondered about it. Why don't we agree on everything? It would be so much easier just to agree on everything. But we don't. But I had a conversation with a friend one day, and in that conversation, we spoke about just this, about perspectives that differ. And, and, he, and he told me a story about a tough time he went through, and he said to me, let me tell you the story. When I went through a very tough time in my life, my dad came and he taught me a life principle. Have you ever had a life principle in your life? That's something you held on to all your life and you always default back to that principle in your life. It's like it's such a strong principle in your life and he had one of those things. And he started telling me this principle he went through. He went through a tough time in his life. He, he called it dark ages. <laughs> he went through that very tough dark ages in his life. And his dad said to him, get into the car. We're going to take a drive. And they drove to Blauberg Beach. And they sat, and sat on the beach there and, and, and he looked over the sea and he said to his son, said, what do you see? He said, well, I see the, the ocean. He said, what else? What is prominent? He said, well, the mountain. And he said, oh, great, the mountain. What about the mountain? He was told, table mountain, and it's because it's flat. And that's why people call it table mountain. He said, Fantastic. I get into the car, and I get into the car, and again, I drove to Musenberg. And I stood on the beach, and I looked around, and he said, now look at the mountain again. What do you see? And he says, well, uh, I see a pointy little mountain with, I mean, there's no, he says, do you see that? Do you realize what you see? And he said the following, he says, no matter if you are looking at the same mountain, the shape of it will differ according to how you look at it. How you look at it, your perspective on life and how you look at it will differ. See, life is like that. Some people look at life with a different perspective. And it will change the way they see life and how they perceive life and how they do life. Just by the way or the angle they look at it. Does it make sense? You see, people's perspectives change. They do. But sometimes the effect of our perspective on life is detrimental. <laughs> Any really can you say that? Yes, I can. You see, your perspective on life can be detrimental to your life. Why? Because I've seen it. 
I've seen it. I've been in ministry for a long time. I've, I've, I've spoke to so many people in life. I've went to down and out with people to very wealthy and, and, and successful. And everyone had a perspective, but some perspectives were this, was, was so detrimental. Let me give you two examples. Two men are in jail. They're looking out of jail. One see mud. The other one sees stars. What perspective is yours? There's a great quote. I love this quote. It says, if, you, if the only tool in your life is a hammer, if the only tool in your life is a hammer, you will tend to see every problem in your life as a nail. You see, perspectives. I've met people like that. <laughs> it's not fun. You see, people differ, have different perspectives, and they differ how they see things. And we need to realize that some perspectives in li sees life, and some perspectives sees death. You remember last week I spoke about you perceive everything in your life, and you give everything in your life through two filters, either love or fear. Which one do you use? What filter is in your life? And that's what we're going to do. It's the same with this. It's either life or death. Fear or love. Now let me give you another example. And I love this example. I, I, I believe God used nature. Don't you believe that? Yeah. We've got two birds there. It's nature. God created them. One is a vulture and one is a hummingbird. But if you look from their perspective, it's much different. A vulture's perspective is the following. See, all they see in life is dead things. <laughs> Why? Because their focus is rotten meat. I need to feed myself. What's my focus? A dead animal. And I will look for it, and I will gaze around, I will fly around, and that is my focus in life. But a hummingbird, whoop, there I, I, I gave you my topic already. A hummingbird his perspective is the following, to ignore all the bad smells and rotten meat, but instead they look for cover, colorful, sweet flowers. What is their focus? Their fo focus is the beauty of the field. It's the life that is given. Big difference, different perspectives. I'm not, I'm not gunning the vulture. God created them for a specific purpose, and it's awesome. We need them. But if you look from two different perspectives, you can create, draw that back to us as, as Christians and to our lives. Now, so what is the difference? The vultures look for and hunger after what was death. And the hummingbird look for and they focus on what is life, what is now. And so many times in our lives, we can actually relate to those perspectives just speak about optimism and pessimism. The vulture is a pessimist. He looks for death. He wants to speak about all the things that are bothering him and how bad is life and oh my goodness, I just want to cry and eat some worms. <laughs> a hummingbird focuses on life and how, how, how full is the glass and how good is life. Although it doesn't look that good, but it is amazing. So it's a way different perspective on life. Now, this is my, my topic. You've already seen it. My topic is mindset. What is your mindset on life? Or I can almost say it all as well. What is your mindset on, on life? Now, our mindset will help us see great things in life 
or keep us from seeing it. Did you hear what I say? Your mindset will help you see great things in life or keep you from seeing it. Because you can miss the best life has to offer when you have a, a death mindset or a fleshly mindset as we dive into the word now. Now the definition for mindset is the following. Let's look at this. An established set of thoughts or attitudes held by someone. Now it says, listen what? An established set of thoughts. It's not a wavering set of, oh, I can change my mind. No, no, it's established. I've established, you won't, you can tell me anything, I've established my thoughts. It's like a blue bull. You can do anything, he would never change his, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> it's an established set of thoughts, and what does that thoughts do? It, it sets your attitude in life. So mindset is actually quite a very important thing to speak about because if your mindset wavers into the wrong direction, it is detrimental to your life. Now, let me make a statement. And it's a henny statement. It's not, a, it's not in the Bible, but I believe it's biblical. Are you ready? Our mindset as believers will be to make, is there to make or break or hit or miss how you experience God or have a relationship with Him. Can I repeat that? So our mindset in life will make or break or hit or miss the way you experience the Father or experience the relationship with Him, how you walk in your relationship with Him. Now there's a great quote of an unknown author that says, let the mind of the Master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Not other way. Don't let the master of the mind be the mind of you. Don't. Do it, do it right. Let the mind of the master, God, let them be the master of your mind. And that's how you set your thoughts. And I'm going to dive into that this morning. So here's the important question. Who and what masters our mind? I'm talking about your thought life, and, and I know I've been speaking about that a lot, but I want to see you, and I, and I think, I think I'm, this is not the first sermon. There might be two more. As I'm going into the Scripture, and I'm going to show you now how much this relates, what Paul says, and how the New Testament folds out to it speaks about life, and it, it directs us. Now, I'm going to dive into Romans 5, oh, sorry, Romans 8, verse 5 to 10. And I'm going to take it verse by verse. Let's go for the first one. Romans 5 verse 8 says the following, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Why? Because it just, it just says it so nicely. It amplifies it in a way that I want you to see something today. Are you ready? Come on, let's speak about that this morning. Verse 5, it says, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue what? Spiritual realities. Wow, isn't that a mouthful? It says, it's amazing when we speak about the flesh. When we speak about the flesh, what do we see? We see selfishness. We see, it's all about me. <laughs> it's all about me. How many times have you been in a conversation in your life and after 10 minutes you realize, man, this conversation is one way. They, the person only speaks about themselves. And they're only uh, interested in things about themselves. It's all about me. And we are tentative to do that. Actually, um, 
um, studies have shown that every person on earth, the way we are connected and the way we are created, I, I probably won't say the way we are created, but the way we are built up in our culture today is people want to speak about themselves 70% of the time. And it's true. It is true. I've, I've seen it. And I've, when, I, when I started knowing it and I started being attentive to it, I listened to conversations of how less people ask, how are you doing? Because I'm in ministry, I have a lot of coffee and I, I love people and I love conversations and I do it. But in 70% of the conversations, that, that none of you, no, you are amazing. <laughs> okay. None of you. Yeah. Now, people out there, because I, I work as a sports psychologist, a mental coach, I do a lot of things. So mental coaching wise, I speak to a lot of sportsmen. I speak to them, I, I help them, I, I, I help them to realign their thinking and their mindset, to be honest. But usually, a sport, especially sport people, they love to speak about themselves. And I think about 2% of my conversations in the last 10 years have those, in those conversations, somebody has like, how are you doing today? I've never had that. But I mean, they sit there to be mentally coached. So that's why they don't speak about me. They speak about themselves. So it's amazing when we speak about the flesh, we see selfishness. It's motivated by the flesh. Pursue what benefits themselves. And all of us are guilty. We so many times we pursue what will benefit ourselves in this thing. See, the motivation and perspective is fully focused on myself and my benefits. Now, this, the Holy Spirit is just amazing. See, the Holy Spirit shows us that there is a different reality. The Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Now it says, but those who live by the impulses. Do you know what that word impulses means? It means a sudden and strong urge or desire to act. So let me read it again. For those who live by a sudden and strong urge or desire to act of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. It makes it a bit different, eh? There's an impulse in you that says, Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? Will you show me what is the deeper thing in my life? Why am I struggling to do this? You are focusing your impulse on something different today. So let's read verse 6. It says, For the mindset of the flesh is death. Here we get to our sermon topic. The mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. How many people in life are seeking a better life, are seeking success. We are seeking something better in our lives, but we're still in the flesh. Everything I can do. But he says, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds. Isn't that amazing? We need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be controlled in our lives and our thinking and our acting. We need to be controlled so the Holy Spirit can help us find life and peace. Listen to verse 7. So it's almost the same. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to, <laughs> refuses to submit to His direction. Why? Because it cannot. So how many people came to me and said, Henny, I can't get rid of the sin in my life. I can't get away from this thing. It's because you haven't changed your mindset. And I'm going to prove it to you today. Listen to verse 8. It says the following, For no matter how hard they try, no hard they try, all of us try, God finds no pleasure in those who are controlled by the flesh. 
Now, it's amazing to see that a mindset that is set on the Spirit first seeks life. Always. If you're Holy Spirit controlled and led and you open your Bible and you see God's, um, God's leading in everything you face in your life, you will seek life. It's just amazing. It is built into our DNA that says when you are Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, there will be life in everything you do. You just need to seek. But the God says those who seek will find. Isn't that amazing? But see, the mindset that's set on sin, all the world refused to submit. I will not change my mind. Sorry, I am set in my ways. <laughs> I don't want to submit. There's so many times in my life I have to tell you about submission, how I went to ministry and how I had to I had tough conversations of things. I just didn't want to submit to, I believe this is how I should do it, and, this is, and then I fail, and I fail, and I fail, and I sit with my leaders, and I was like, why is not this not working? And I said, but Henny, I told you, this is the way it should happen. You just needed to submit your ways to that. And I realized, ah, oh, I was in flesh. I was thinking about things that I could do. And I was exiting the Holy Spirit in every corner. Does it make sense? Now, if I say you refuse to submit, who am I talking to? I'm talking to the reality of life in Christ. We, are, we, we refuse to submit that reality. There's a reality of life in Christ that supersedes so many things in our lives. Why? Because our focus is set in the flesh. You remember the hummingbird and the vulture? The vulture's focus is on the rotten meat. On the things that brings death, the fleshly things, the worldly things. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Hummingbird is focused on life. What is? And life is all in God. Now I want to... Sorry, I'm not done yet. Verse 9. Listen to verse 9. It says, But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life... I love this. Isn't that amazing? When the Spirit of God empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And then verse 10, I love verse 10. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts what? Life to you because you are fully accepted by God. And this is what I want to talk about today. Spirit and life. His life-giving spirit gives us what? Life. And if I want life in my life, I want life in my relationships, in my emotions, in my finances, in my family, in my business, in my this and that, we need to be spirit-filled. We need to be sure that we are spirit-filled with a mindset focused on life and not on the flesh and what I can do. You see, we, when we fully accept God, it says they're fully accepted by God. If we fully accept Him, what happens? He fully accepts us. With all your issues, with all your troubles, with all your stuff, He accepts you. You just need to accept Him. And when you accept Him, He starts sorting that stuff out. When we do children's church, we tell the children, when you accept Jesus in your life, the, the, well, I always say we, we've changed it a little bit, but the devil who lives, he doesn't live in you. You're not possessed or anything, but he leaves the vague, the, the void in you, leaves as quick as possible. So there's 
klomp spinnerakke and stuff in your heart. And then when Jesus comes in, he comes and he cleans out your heart. He cleans it out. He takes away that, that spider's web and he cleans this dust out. And that's a process and it's such a beautiful picture. It's a process how God comes when you accept him. He comes and accepts you fully and he starts to sort things out in your life. All the attitudes. He starts to, to change the way you see things, the way you perceive things. He changed our mindset. He starts changing the way we perceive and see life. I love how Paul emphasized, or how Paul emphasized here that the Spirit empowers, or whatever the Spirit empowers, he imparts life. Isn't that amazing? When the Spirit empowers us, he imparts life to our lives. Now, at, now I love this. The amazing thing is when the Spirit empowers life, we cannot be dominated by a worldly mindset. Have you ever been in conversations where the, the conversation is, is very worldly. It's tough. And I'm not super spiritual and I'm saying I need to be in spiritual conversations. I want to be in worldly conversations because that's where I, I can reach the last. And, and I've worked with a mental coach for so long and I've sit in rugby, rugby circles for a lot of times and I've been in horrendous conversations. And I didn't have to defend myself. So how can you say that? I didn't know. because I, I didn't have to do that because the life that's in me shines life out of me. Why? Because I sit in conversations and people will use a curse word. They say, sorry, Henny, sorry. And I was like, why are you telling me sorry? And I realized later on that because I'm shining something, I'm speaking something, I'm living something different that is spirit-filled. Without saying words, without, without making statements, but being who I am. And that's what God has called you and me to be. To whatever conversation you are in, the more spirit-filled you are, the more spirit-filled the atmosphere is going to be. Yeah. Does it make sense? Now, there's an amazing account, and I want to dive into this this morning. And It's an amazing account of Jesus sitting with his disciples and has the moment with his disciples. But first, a group of people, a crowd following him, but his disciples was also part of him. Now, before we go into that, we realize that Jesus didn't have 12 disciples. He had many. There was many around him. But he had 12 prominent ones that the scriptures spoke about. When, the, when the, the disciples were filled with the Spirit, there were 70 in a room. 70 disciples. But there were 12 prominent ones. But there were so much more people following Jesus. I think there was over 100 following him. And I can prove that this morning. Now, If you go to the 6th chapter of John, if you have your Bibles, you can read with me. It's going to be up there. But if you go to the 6th chapter of John... The account of Jesus in the gospel. I love that chapter. Why? Because it starts out with Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. 5,000 people. Have you ever seen 5,000 people together? That's quite a lot. Then feeding all of them so that none of them are hungry anymore. <laughs> Think about it. If I, I invite you for dinner, I need to feed you till you eat till you're not hungry anymore. And then even have leftovers that I can eat tomorrow or give to people. So to feed 5,000 people from two fish and five loaves, or how much was it, two fish and oh, five loaves, that's quite incredible. That's a massive, mighty miracle. Jesus did a mighty miracle. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Right after the feeding the 5,000, Jesus walked on the water. 
right after that. So the disciples went on onto the, the, the shore. There was a storm. Jesus came out walking onto the water. They thought it was a ghost. That was not an account when Peter walked on the water with him. But he just got into the boat. And immediately when he got into the boat, they were at the other side. Supernatural. Miracle. Miraculous. Two miraculous things had happened. And then Jesus got to the other side. They went to the synagogue in Capernaum. And he started speaking to a crowd of people there. And he started speaking about the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You should eat this. And, you should. and he starts speaking. And people's like, but wait, Jesus, show us a miracle so that we can believe better. You can go and read it. I'm just fast-forwarding this. Show us a miracle, Jesus. Show us more miracles so that we can have more faith in you. So we can believe that you are the Savior. But then Jesus shocked them. He shocked them. In verse 53, we read the following. Romans 6, 53 to, 50, to 63. I'm going to read it. So Jesus said again. Am I right? Yeah. 6, 53 to 63. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life with Him. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. <laughs> For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Then, I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as, you, as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, is this, this is very hard to understand. His disciples. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was unaware, that, Jesus was aware, sorry, that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Now, <laughs> that's quite a mouthful. I want to build a bit of a context for you before we go into the last bit of the sermon today. See, Jesus was speaking about the bread of life, referring to himself. Now, today we have communion. And we've got that thought a bit sorted out. You know, we, we have communion. We know about the bread. Eat his flesh and drink his blood. And, and, uh, and it's, it's quite, quite amazing. But think, put yourself in a position of a crowd. Seeing the miracle worker coming to town. And he's in the synagogue. He's going to speak. And I start to speak about the bread of life and even, and I say, what are you talking about? Rather show is a miracle. And then Jesus like, wait, wait. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have nothing of me. <laughs> Put yourself in that position. You see, the crowd was freaked out. They were freaked out. They was like, I mean, who wouldn't be? Just think about it. We have a, we have a, um, evangelist coming to town, a miracle guy, you know, he's, uh, he's doing a miracle, he's got signs and wonders, and he speaks, and in his sermon said, listen, if you don't eat me and you know, take my blood and drink it, you will not see miracles. I mean, all of us, I'm gone. I was like, cheers, buddy. I am, uh, this is weird. Think about these people. Think about them. See, Jesus knew that, he, he knew what they were thinking. All of them thought Jesus was speaking about cannibalism. What? Are you the Savior? Are you the Savior that's supposed to come and save me? 
Yet you're speaking about cannibalism, go into verse 52 and you say, people said, is he actually meaning that I should eat him? I mean, luckily he wasn't on an island somewhere, then Jesus had to run. Because people probably would believe that. We'll cut you up right now. But just think about this for a moment. How would we react? How would we react if we were in a situation like that? See, but the people didn't understand because they had a worldly mindset. They had a worldly mindset. They were focused on law. They were focused on words. They were demanding miracles upon miracles. I demand you doing this. People sit in church nowadays and they demand things and say, ah, the worship wasn't nice today. I don't want to be in church. I'm going to go to a different church. Ah, this is that. The pastor didn't speak well today. I'm going to go to a different... I mean, we have worldly mindsets. And Jesus was speaking with a spiritual mindset and people were missing him. They weren't seeing in this. Now, my first thought was, why didn't Jesus just explain to them? Why didn't he just, he said this major thing and he didn't explain it. Even then, what he did, he just went deeper. He said, if you don't eat my flesh, you will have nothing of me. Then he saw they're not catching what he says. And he said, well, uh, let me tell you even further. If you don't drink my blood, you will definitely not have anything of me. He didn't explain nothing. And I always thought, why did you do that, Jesus? Why did you do this? You see, people didn't understand because they had a worldly mindset of law. But many times, many times, we miss it because we have a worldly mindset. Now, listen to this. You see, Jesus was not a people pleaser. (laughs) He was not. Because he didn't explain. He just said, this is my statement. Jesus saw something in them. They demanded works. They demanded performance. And he said, let me tell you something. And he went on and he saw they didn't catch him and they started getting offended. And Jesus did, went harder and deeper. Why? Because he wanted commitment. He wanted to test their hearts. Now, see, I mean, so many times we are scared to off- offend people when we are sharing the gospel. And then we start watering down the gospel so the people, please don't be offended. But sometimes people need to hear the truth. They need to hear the truth of the gospel and what there is. And Jesus was speaking straight up without wavering and not explaining. You see, Jesus did something amazing here. He depended on the Holy Spirit to give the revelation. So I'm going to give you this heavyweight word. I'm going to give you this heavyweight word and I don't care what you think, but I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to work in your hearts. And he basically said, Jesus said basically, he said, physical food sustains physical life. But partaking of Jesus through faith gives spiritual life. Now the crowd had their mind limited to the physical realm. They were limited to what I can taste, what I can see. Show me a miracle. I I don't want to believe before I don't see. They were limited. And so many times in our lives as Christians, we limit ourselves in the way we look at things. And the way we, we, we go through challenges in our lives. But see, Jesus was speaking about the blessing of a spiritual life that the spiritual man receives when he partakes of Jesus, the bread of life. Let me read that again. Jesus was speaking about the blessing of spiritual life 
that the spiritual man, me and you, receives when we partake in Jesus, the bread of life. What is the bread of life? The Word. The Word of God. When we partake the Word, there's life that comes in every way, in every challenge, in everything we step through. We wash ourselves with the Word, the life of God. Now verse 60 says that the people, even some of the disciples, it was very hard for them to understand. It was very tough for them. They said, how can we, anyone accept this? This is very tough. Now, this is guys that's been following Jesus. Now, in our normal, let me say, in our terms today, people will probably say, ach, man, that's disgusting. How can I do that? How can anyone listen to this? That's what the people said. But the scripture shows this, that the gospel will sometimes offend people. It will. If you open the scripture, some, I mean the scripture has sometimes offended me. How, how do you, Lord, how do you expect me to be like this? How can I be like this? How can I do this? I mean there's so many scriptures. scripture that says, don't fellowship with unbelievers. Don't even eat with them. I was like, what, Peter, what did you say here? But if you look at the word fellowship, it's much different than the word friendship. Fellowship is there's a deep connection between me and you. You speak into my life, I speak into your life. You see, don't have fellowship with an unbeliever because he will drag you down to a level of immaturity. That's actually what the scripture says. But it actually says, don't have friendship. Have friendship with an unbeliever. Please do have a friendship. But if you go into a fellowship... It's like a young man going for, <clears throat> for marriage counseling or for counseling with his girlfriend to a guy who's sleeping with his girlfriend. So the guy sleeping with his girlfriend wants to counsel the guy just going into a relationship. I mean, it doesn't make sense. If you don't have fellowship with an unbeliever, you have friendship. Yes, please do. But when you speak into a life and a life speaks into your life, Make sure that the fellowship is true. You see, the word sometimes offends us. The gospel offends people. It does. Now, this was Jesus speaking. Come on, this was Jesus speaking. It was not anyone else. This was Jesus. And when he spoke, people got offended. And not so much, they got so offended that they picked up their stuff and they left. They walked out of the synagogue, offended throwing their stuff. This was Jesus. People still didn't receive. Why? Because they had a mindset focused on the worldly things. What can I get? Me, me, me. My things. See, the amazing thing, Jesus saw that they were offended. Even his disciples were offended. What did Jesus do? What do you do when you speak and you see people as offended with you immediately? You back off. It's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you. Are you okay? I don't. No, no, Jesus said, well, I see you're offended, but let me just go harder. Let me test your commitment in your heart today. And he said, if you don't eat my flesh and don't drink my blood, you will have nothing of me. <laughs> now listen to verse 63, and I love this, and this is what I want to get to. Verse 63 says, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Uh, before you read it further, these people were all looking from a worldly mindset. Jesus was speaking from a godly mindset. Now, he gave them a summary. And some caught it and some not. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. 
Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are what? Spirit and life. Spirit and life. And you just take that two words and you go through the New Testament. You go through Romans. You go through Colossians. You go through Ephesians. Every now and then Paul comes and he speaks about spirit and life. Spirit and life. And if Paul, the apostle, speaks about spirit and life so many times, there's something hidden in a mindset that is focused on spirit and life that we need to catch. That we need to catch. We have that prayer. Lord, why do I don't, don't have more breakthrough in my life? Why do I don't have this? Why don't I see more miracles? Why don't I see this? Because we need more spirit and more life. I pray that a lot. I said, Lord, I prayed for this and that. and that. I saw one miracle out of the ten. Why am I not seeing more miracles? And God says, you need more spirit and more life. Now the great thing is, we have everything we need to live a, a successful life. But my mindset needs to shift to such a degree that I realize, oh, I have spirit and I have life. I have spirit and I have life. You see, Jesus was declaring that our spirit, not our flesh, are where life comes from. Our spirit. And those people who were dominated by their physical lives, they were so much dominated by their physical lives that they were missing all the spiritual significance of His words. Imagine you're sitting, Jesus is speaking, and He's saying all these things, significant things, and you miss it. And you leave, and you defend it. And you miss that significant moment. Sometimes in the Word, I've been reading over Scripture and reading over Scripture and reading over Scripture. It's like, Lord, I don't get this. It doesn't make sense. But every time I go and I pray, Holy Spirit, will you explain this to me? Spirit gave life to the Scripture. So God's Word, see, God's Word doesn't benefit our physical man, but the Word is Spirit and must be understood through the Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. I promise you. There's so many, um, so many ministries worldwide that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go into that. They only believe in the Word. The Word. But the Word is so significant if you have the Spirit opening the Word to us. You see, the Word of God is paper and ink. But Jesus is the Word. And He existed in spiritual form long before the words were inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written down. If you go to John 1, it says, I am the Word. I am the bread of life. I am the beginning and the end. Jesus was the Word before the Word was written down. I know it's a deep thought, but go and meditate on it. Go and read John 1. You see, the Bible is simply a physical representation of Jesus and spiritual truth. And it's inspired by God and therefore totally accurate, totally reliable when we read it. So until we receive the Spirit, until we filled with the Spirit in our lives, that helps us understand and express the Word, the Bible will not profit us. <laughs> There's actually Scripture that says that the, the ungodly doesn't understand the Scriptures because they look from a worldly perspective. They, world with a, they look from a mindset that doesn't make sense. And when we speak about spiritual things, and I know it's a bit of a deeper sermon today, but when we look at spiritual things, we need the Holy Spirit. If you want to deepen your relationship with God, you need the Holy Spirit. 
And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then pursue Him more. Come, let us pray for you for filling of the Spirit so that you have more of Him. My prayer life went from a 1 out of 10 to 11 out of 10 <laughs> where I got filled with the Spirit. I was 13 years old. And it was one of the most incredible defining moments of my life. I remember, oh, sorry, I don't want to sidetrack. But I remember I was sitting, we had an a, a AFM camp and the, the, the guy came up, the student, and he preached heaven and hell. Have you ever had one of those sermons? Heaven or turn or burn, baby. If you don't turn now, you're going to burn tomorrow. Man, we were in the front. I'd want to die today. If I die today, I'm going to hell. Please, just pray for me. I don't want to go. That was the only motivation. Just, I want to get, receive God because I don't want to go to hell. And I sat there and he prayed for me. And he said, have you ever been filled with the Spirit? And I said, no, I think I'm too young for that. <laughs> And he said, no, no, no. He said, don't worry. Jesus is like a gentleman. He will never bring you to a place where you feel offended. You just need to receive him. And he started praying for me. Oh, man. Ten minutes later, it was Snorten Trana. And he was there praying for people. I was praying in tongues. And I realized it was not something. It was not a religious, foofy thing. It was something deep. There was a relational connect with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment of my prayer life went to one incredible place. When I opened the scriptures, I could understand, I could see, I could read, I could explain, I could speak to the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, please explain this to me. I don't know this. And then sometimes it's a longer process, but I can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without Holy Spirit. See, if we want to know what the Spirit truth is, well, spiritual truth is we must believe spirit and life. We must believe the Bible. Now look at verse 66 to 69. It's going on. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Most of his disciples says, Bye. Cheers. If you speak about cannibalism and all these things, cheers, buddy. You're not the Savior. <laughs> and they said, Then Jesus turned to the twelve. He turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? And I think it came out of a very precious place in Jesus' heart. He says, so I offended all these people. Are you also going to be offended? And listen to that. Then Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy, uh, you are the holy One of God. Now my question is, so many of his disciples left, including... Now, now, as I said, there was a lot of disciples. There was people following Jesus, not just casually and said, oh, I want to see what he do. They followed him to learn from him. They were disciples. They, even though there was an account where John's disciples, where some of the twelve came from, actually also saw, oh, Jesus. John said, that's the true Savior. And they left John just there, John the Baptist. They left him just there and followed Jesus. So he had a lot of disciples, and some of them said, cheers, I'm leaving. And he turned to the twelve who were staying. And some of them who were staying included Judas. Included Jesus. Judas who, who turned against Jesus. You see, the people that left were not casual followers. But only the twelve were really mentioned. There were 70 in the room when the Holy Spirit poured out. There were disciples that followed Jesus. And these guys followed him. They sat with him. They listened to him. Stuff that's in the Word. They heard things 
and, and things that, that the Bible never mentioned. They saw life in Jesus, but they still had a, a worldly mindset. They were so according to the world and to what I do and what I can find and what I can get from my relationship with Jesus, they missed the Spirit. Now, Peter says something amazing here. And it shows, uh, my, my first question was, why didn't the 12 also leave? I mean, if I would, I, mean, I put myself in that position. If, if Jesus came and he spoke about eating him and drinking his blood and stuff, I was like, whoa, man. I don't want to be in this ministry. This is a weird ministry. But they, they stayed. And Peter gave the answer. He gave the answer. He said, number one, he gave five things. Number one, he said, there's no other option than you, Jesus. There is no other option. I don't care what you say, what you do. I have seen in the Spirit. I've seen the life in your eyes. And I'm, there's no other option than you. So I would be offended by the Scripture. The Gospel can offend me. I don't care. When I'm offended, I grow. See, that's someone with a, a godly mindset. Number one, he said, Jesus, there's no other option. Where would I go? Number two, Jesus is the only way to the Father. You have the words, Jesus. You're the only way to the Father. Where would I go? To the Pharisees? I've seen how you spoke about them. <laughs> Number three, he said, we believe the truth, the word, the gospel. We've seen the truth in your life. We've seen the truth in your eyes. We've heard when you spoke. We've seen, we've seen spirit and life. You see, they went over from mindset of the, the world to a mindset that says, Ah, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see spirit and I see life. I don't care what you say. Maybe I've missed it. Maybe I've, Lord, Lord Jesus, just explain to me again, what did you say? Because I'm not leaving. Number four, faith will keep us holding on to Jesus. He said, Lord, we believe. We believe. I don't care what you say, I believe in you. There's faith in my heart that's much deeper than, than any offense, anything, anything you're saying. If you're talking, then there's something I'm missing, but help my faith to believe in stronger. They had faith that kept holding on to Jesus. No matter what happens in your life, how much you're being offended in your life, how much people will come into your life and offend you, hurt you, say things that's not true, that's unrighteous, and they're in ministry, they believe us, but still your faith keeps you going, holding on to Him. See, what to what's a degree will you be offended in your life? Would you pick up your things and I will leave church and I will never come back? How many times have we been there? I mean, I had conversations upon conversations upon conversations with people, telling them, I am so sorry that the church offended you. But I want you to change your mindset from the things that, that is fleshly, to how much you were hurt, to what happened truly in the Spirit. Because all of us are flawed, especially the pastor. <laughs> you see, I always say, one of my mentors said, it's all about what's happening in front of the pulpit than what's happening behind the pulpit. Yeah. And it's one of my greatest lessons in life. That is not about this. It's all about this. And, but people get offended. 
But what our job is to build your faith to such a degree that no matter how much offended you are in church, in life, in the Bible, that your faith will keep holding on to Jesus. Number five, being committed to what we believe. You see, I believe something. If you go back to to the scriptures on what a mindset is, it is a, a set a solid set of, of, of um, thoughts. What is that word that I'm looking for? Ah, um, oh my goodness. I'll go back to it now. But it's a assured, yeah, sorry, it's assured thoughts. You're, you're so assured of your thoughts that it has an impact on your attitude. And when you believe what you believe, nothing can change that. When my mindset is on the spirit and on life, I mean, I can walk into any worldly conversation, any worldly place, and God will still have a greater impact on my life. Yeah. It, it, it needs to be like that. And every time I walk, walk into a place where I'm still impacted by the world or the flesh, then I come back and say, okay, Lord, where should I change my mindset? What have I missed in Scripture? That I would rather be more in love with you than in that. Because it's a duck and pool all of our lives. So where does it leave us this morning? Where does it leave me and you as Christians, as believers, as lovers of God, as maybe newly saved? Where does it leave us? What is our mind set on? See, that's the, that's the golden question this morning. What is your mind set on? What irritates you, frustrates you, take all your attention and steer your mind to places where it's like, I want to break things. What sets all these things will be your mindset on life? Your perspective, to what degree and from what angle do you look at the mountain? And from what angle do you look at business? From what angle do you look at church or life or my finances or my family or relationships? You see, if you look from a worldly mindset, you will see a point, nothing will make sense. But if you look from a godly perspective, your mindset will see table mountain. Does it make sense this morning? You see, our focus in life is not death. It's not flesh or sin or worldly, worldly worries or rotten meat. No, no, our focus in life is life, spirit, things of the spirit. And I need to pinch myself every day that says, Father, have I missed you today? What have I missed? What have I done this? And do we fail? Yes. If you don't fail anymore, I'm worried. <laughs> we need to fail. But there's a beautiful book that says, um, John Maxwell says, failing forward. Two steps up, one steps down. Three steps up, two steps down. Five steps up, one down. Six steps up, seven steps up. That's how life is. But sometimes we do one step up, one step down. One step up, one step down. No, no. Do two steps up, one step down. That's fine. But we're going to fail forward. But we're going to get more of the spirit, the more of the life in our lives so that our mindset is shifted towards life rather than death and rotten tomatoes and meat. That's really not nice. <laughs> I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to take the word and, and every time you see the word spirit and life, underline it. Go to the New Testament. Go to Colossians. Go to Ephesians. Go to Romans. 
especially Romans 8. It will blow your mind if you read it from a mindset that says life rather than death. See, that's why Romans 8 starts out, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. That means, let me rephrase, there is no more condemnation for those who are minds are set on life and spirit and God. What does condemnation mean? To, to be declared unfit for use. So what does Paul say? You are not anymore declared unfit for use when you change your mindset to life and spirit. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You see, sometimes we read the scriptures and we go through, but our mindset, there's so much on the worldly things and what I can get and, and things that we miss the spiritual deeper things that God wants us to catch. See, that's what Paul had it down. He had that thing down. He was so in the spirit because he saw Jesus. He was blind for two, three days that he only could meditate on that, that one vision that he saw, the Father. He was in tune with the Spirit. And when he started writing, preaching, man, he was on fire. Paul was living that four steps as well. He didn't even have to journey with Jesus. There was no other option than Jesus. There was only way to the Father was the Son. He believed in the truth, the gospel of the Word, because he knew it. He was a Pharisee. And in faith, his faith kept holding on to Jesus. He was shipwrecked, killed, stoned to death twice. He held on to Jesus, and he was committed to what he believed. And that's why he wrote in Romans, Colossians, Philippians, he wrote all these things, and he said, remember the Spirit and life. And next week we're going to continue on this. Can I pray with you? Why don't you stand with me? Father, we thank you this morning that, sure, Lord, that you, your heart for us is so incredible. That your heart for us, no matter what we face in our lives, if we messed up, if we have sin, if we have guilt in our lives, no matter what we do in our lives or what we have done in our lives, you never hold it against us. Never, Father. Your grace is so supersedes so much that your scripture even says, where sin abounds, grace abounds. The more sin there is in life, the more grace there will be. And Father, I pray that as we're listening to your word, as, we, as we're processing this incredible account where you said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and you were talking about you as the bread of life and how we would have communion one day and, and, and have bread and wine as a remembrance of the covenant that you have with us that speaks life and life in abundance, Father. Lord, I pray that when we dive into that, that you will set our spirit alive. That you will fill us with more of you, Father. Lord, I pray that there will be a hunger for more of you than anything else. And that there will not be a, a church-going culture where we only seek to come, listen, have coffee and leave. But that they will, we will come and experience a true relationship. We will come and experience true love, life with you. Father, I pray for your love that that will penetrate our hearts today, that we will have more of you, Father, more of you. And I pray for a hunger to see more of a life-giving mindset than a worldly, fleshly mindset, Father. No matter where we live, where we work, how much darkness our work entails, but that there will be life 
and light in our lives that shines from us. Father, we don't want to be religious. We just want to love you. We want to have a relationship with you. We want to experience your grace that empowers us in every step we take in life. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.